Hey, this is Chandra Salvadire. I'm the Managing Director of Pharmaco Australia New Zealand. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoustos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The Pepsi Show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today. And if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me, Chandra Sovadere. He leads the Trans-Tasman Operations of Pharmaco New Zealand Limited, a company specializing in sales, marketing, and warehousing, and distribution of pharmaceuticals, medical devices, and healthcare products and services. Chandra has worked in the healthcare industry for over 30 years and was appointed the CEO of Pharmaco in 2013 and became the Managing Director of two thousand in 2017. A big welcome to you to the show, Chandra. Thank you very much, Dennis. I appreciate the opportunity to have a chat with you. Awesome. Whereabouts are you in the world today? I am sitting in my home office in Auckland in New Zealand. Very cool. Now, your name, first name, surname, where, where does your name originate from? So Chandra Salvadire, it, it, it originates from Sri Lanka. So I am, my, my forefathers were were born and raised in Sri Lanka of Tamil origin. So uh, so that's uh, that's where the name comes from. I mean, there's also connotations that Salvadire has got sort of a, some Portuguese uh, sort of an influence. And I haven't been able to validate that as to whether that's true or, or not. So... <laughs> Um, there's a little bit of mystery there, perhaps. Oh, I think it's a beautiful name, Salvadore. I think it's beautiful. And uh, Sri Lankan, wonderful. So are you a big cricket fan? I'm a big cricket fan. I'm a big football fan. I'm a big rugby fan. Anything that's got a bat and a ball and anything that you can get up and scream at and shout at and get passionate about, that's uh, that's me. <laughs> that's awesome. Very good. Hey, we've given the listeners a little bit of a background about you. Tell us, is there anything else you'd like to share about you and your background? Yeah, listen, very, very, very quickly, Dennis, uh, thank you for asking. I was born in, in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, and I, I, um, I lived in Malaysia till I was about 15. And then I, through my support of my parents, I left to go to the UK to start my studies uh, in, in the UK, A-levels, etc., which I did. I started doing that. But I ended up from being in the UK because the costs in the UK for study was really, really high. And my brother and my sister were had studied in the UK as well. 
and I felt that there was a huge burden on my on my poor folks because um, they were you know they were bankrolling that the, the whole operation. Uh, and anyway, I managed to get a uh, an opportunity to to finish my my pre university in Australia. So and also closer to to Malaysia, and I went to Australia to to do my tertiary admissions exam and I finished that, and then ended up going to university in Perth in Western Australia and did my postgraduate and you know some other sort of study in in, uh, in Australia and yeah started to work in Australia and one of my friends was transferred to New Zealand uh, through work and he said to me he says mate you should come over they've got something called snow in this place you know mm-hmm. so um, I thought about it I thought yeah, I'll come over to New Zealand for a, for a little holiday and I came across to Wellington for about a week but I noticed in the newspaper when I bought a paper when I landed that there were a lot of jobs for medical laboratory scientists, and I'm a I'm a trained medical laboratory scientist, and um, so I called and 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 applied, and I handwritten a few notes to a to a few uh, a few labs. Uh, I got six labs come back to me and say come in for an interview. I went for five. I got five offers, and I thought, gee, this New Zealand is uh, it uh, you know it's a pretty cool place. They all like me here, so um, I decided to put a hold on my 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 master's studies in in Australia. And, uh, and said, I'll come back, came to New Zealand, and that was back in 1988, and New Zealand has been home ever since then. So, uh, and I left home, you know, as I said, very, very young, but from a very close family. So that was quite, uh, I think, difficult for my, for my parents to see, you know, their young 15-year-old son disappear, knowing, actually knowing that I probably would not return, because uh, that was, I guess, the sort of person I, I was becoming, that I would have wanderlust for travel and, and, and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, so New Zealand is very, very happily my, has been my home for over 35 years. So, um, wow. And did you spend a lot of time in Wellington as well, or did you move to Auckland? I spent two years in, in Wellington. So they're my, my formative years in, in New Zealand. Coming from Perth, Western Australia to Wellington was a bit of a shock to the system, I can, I can tell you. But I loved being in Wellington. It was great. I made lot, lots of, of really good friends. We're still friends to, to this day. And I have spent, yeah, the last 33 years um, in, in Auckland. You know, I got married um, and uh, my wife uh, uh, is, uh, is, is an Aucklander. And I've had two kids. Uh, well, they're not kids anymore. They're, they're adults. My son has got a similar wanderlust as me and is in in uh in london and and my daughter she she lives here in auckland so um so yeah there you go <laughs> fascinating that's very good yeah i i'm actually from wellington so we probably would have been quite we probably actually bumped, bumped into each other probably in the streets maybe but um oh, possibly yeah. very possibly new zealand's a small place <laughs> that's what i was going to say a very small place now look you've been in the healthcare industry for 30 years or over 30 years and you were appointed as a CEO to Pharm- Pharmaco in 2013. So how did you actually get into leadership? I think, Dennis, I, I always felt that taking initiative was was a really good thing to do. And it's something which I guess my parents also sort of, you know, um, inculcated into me and, and also ensured you always do the right thing and where you could just do and be better and be the best that, that you could be. And, and I think, you know, other thing was showing respect, empathy for people and being able to actually draw people to you and to, to sort of, to, to, to develop a feeling of trust. It, it was, was, was very important. So it's, it's sort of a more of a, of a, of a self discovery thing. And, but, but all of this helped me in a, in a range of roles. And, and then when I joined Pharmaco about 28 years ago, the, the leadership back at Pharmaco then, uh, perhaps recognized that there was something there that you know I I wanted to do and and 
and I ended up, you know, being in a position where there were people who would, would come to me and then it became people who started to report to me and, and then it just, it just developed uh, from there. And, you know, you did a few courses in, in sort of, um, management and, and, uh, and whatnot. I, I remember early on, many years ago, I was uh, with a multinational company and I was sent to, uh, to Singapore for a, for a management uh, course. And I met a number of people there and, and, and learned a lot from other people. I think that's also, I think part of leadership is it's not all about, it's never about you. I think it's, it's about, it's about people and it's how you learn and interact and develop your, you know, your own sense of identity from other people. So I, I, I met these folks from all around the world and, and, and I recognized, you know, that there were ways and means that you could get the best from other people just by being yourself and being open and honest and, and, you know, and truthful and people actually trusted you and, and they, you know, they confided in you and, uh, and, you are the more richer for it as well. So, so I, listen. I, I don't think it was a. I don't think there was a, a clear steps uh, that that I took. I always felt that I wanted to be in a position where I was able to make a difference and to be able to change things for the better. I mean, it sounds quite dramatic, but you know, I, 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 I don't. I don't think it is. I think it was just a case of just being the best that I could be. So that's kind of how I stumbled into into leadership, I think. And, and I remember many years ago, I, I was in a meeting and I was meeting with the, the chairman of a company and I was asked to sit outside, you know, the boardroom having a cup of tea. And outside the boardroom, there's this little plaque. It's this tiny little thing, but it's really colorful, really drew me to it. And the words still, I mean, I use this every chance I get, to be honest, every person I meet. Uh, all of my, my staff uh, know this, you know, back to front, uh, or my colleagues rather. And it said this, it said, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, that was just fantastic. And what was incredible, what it was written by a saint, Saint Jerome from the 14th century. Wow. Crikey, I would have, I would have employed him the first chance I got. But that was for me, that's also, I think an element of, of, of what good leadership is. Just, just be the best you can be. You know, you don't have to be better than anyone else. Just be the best you can be, you know, yeah. and, and and hopefully that's that's going to be enough. I think it's great. I, th- I love what you're sharing. There. That's brilliant. And even just that, what was on that plaque, wow, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Even just to be able to go out for a coffee with that person or even spend time with a person, right? Imagine that. And, um, yeah, it'd be fantastic. And the other thing, too, is it's really quite interesting how what you're saying here is be yourself, be open, and be truthful or and and, and that's what people are looking for. They're looking for that leader who's open, realistic, transparent, and that's really important. So I think that's, that's some really good traits that you've actually had there that you've used and you continue to use, which is which is brilliant to see. Now, you know how I just said about having coffee with the other person just before. Just a minute. So my next question to you is, Chandra, who would be your favorite person? Now, this is a leader. Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who would be their favorite person and why? Right. Well, I'm, I'm not going to answer your question, you know, the, the way you, you would hope. I don't, I, there, there isn't, for me, there isn't one specific leader. Again, you know, you draw, you draw from so many different people. And, and sometimes it's, it's people you, you, you're drawn to them and, and they're not leaders per se, but they're just people who've got great ideas and people who sort of emit this this presence about them, you know and mm. and and there i'm i'm very fortunate that there are very many people that i know who are my friends who i i respect highly and and you sort of draw from them but 
But but I guess you know there are people like Nelson Mandela. I I certainly respect him for what he stood for and the fact that what he stood for was quite unpopular with uh, the ruling uh, government at the time. But he stood his ground and he was had the strength of his convictions. And for me, that is really quite an important part of of, of leadership. And even closer to home, our former New Zealand Prime Minister. Uh, Sir John Key, uh, who I've had the uh, the, so the the pleasure and privilege of meeting on on a, on a number of occasions, you know, he he's just a really for me a very nice chap, you know, very down to earth, but incredibly clever, you know, a, a great uh, orator. He 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 would he he spoke so well. He was extremely clued up, if you must, in the subjects that he was you know he was speaking about. And you would think that would be the case, you know, for as the as the prime minister of the of the, of the country. But he had a presence which I I really admired. So so he, he was a, he is a, he is another chap. I mean Barack Obama, I always consider him as a surprising leader, having read his uh, his his book, um, a couple of his books, The Audacity of Hope being 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 one of them. I say he's surprising because, you know, he you know, the, the first black president in the United States. Who would have ever thought, you know, and how he came through that was through a process which which he followed and which he, you know, sort of uh, circumnavigated and then ended up, you know, becoming the nominee and then becoming the president, you know. So, again, that's a, a story of, of someone, you know, having, a, again, strong sense of what they wanted to do and where they wanted to end up. So, you know, you've got to be respectful of that. And listen, there are also many different leaders of industry and, and, and people who are just everyday, you know, punters really, who run companies, who run their own organizations, who are honest, they're focused, they're, in, they're innovative, and they've got empathy. And, and, you know, and there's an element of truth about what, what they say and how they do it sort of thing. So, so yeah, so, so I think, yeah, I think there's a, you know, there's a mix of, of people. I mean, what I believe is my favorite leader today will be different tomorrow because there'll be someone else who will impact on me and I'll think, wow, you know, that's, um, that's pretty cool what they've done, what they've said, you know, and I'll take notes, you know, and might use it again in, in the future. Yeah. So. And I think that's a key that you've just mentioned there, taking notes. And I think leaders need to take notes when people are speaking because, as you said, there'll be something that they might say that you can take away and use. Uh, interesting to hear what you said about the three different people as well and about their strength of convictions, their their presence there, how they've turned up, how they're approachable, but also having a sense of what they what they're wanting to do and achieve and staying focused on getting that done. Correct. And I think I think that's that's brilliant. So it's a beautiful summation of of those three people that you share with us. Thank you. So so that's really cool. And I know there's lots of leaders out there and everyone has different things for us as well. Yeah. Which is good. Now the show here is called Leadership is Changing. Now when we mentioned that title or that statement, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that, it's actually very true. Leadership is changing. And and for me, one of the key elements of change in leadership is the emphasis that en- enhancing the culture of an organization is critical. So culture is key, in, in, in my humble opinion. It is all about people. And I think when you show interest and support your people, they in turn will show interest and support your business and you and leaders. So for me, it means that it requires more inclusion you know, more input from a wide and different group of people within your your organization or and sometimes even outside of it. And I think leaders now need to be more courageous and embrace the fact that things are changing. Because the thing is that you, you can control only what needs to be controlled, not what can be controlled. But you know, obviously, you know, there's certain certain things you need to to, to control, i.e. good solid processes, etc. But 
you can only control what needs to be controlled. You can't control other things. Even And if you try to, you might come a cropper. So, you know, don't be, I think as, as, as leaders, you, you can't be controlling. You should not be controlling. And, and you need to be open to changes. And sometimes changes happen often. They don't just happen once a year or once a, uh, you know, every six months. Sometimes they're changing so quickly, so often. And I think we've, we've recognized this, you know, in over the last two years or 18 months with, uh, you know, with the global pandemic. And, and I think one of the things that how leadership has changed and also you, you need, to always provide people with a sense of belonging and safety where you can. Keep people safe. Make them feel that, that they mean something. And, and it might sound a little bit altruistic, but, but it's not. I think, I think it's, it's, it's really important. That culture has to be absolutely 100% critical. Mm. When you're talking about the culture there, I mean, um, the fact that people feel like they're being heard, maybe what you might be saying, but also feeling safe, that psychological safety. It's not just about you physically being safe, but uh, psychologically we can be safe or we're having a safe environment where I can be me, but also you're going to help encourage me and enable me and equip me to probably uh, move on to do other things. Is that, is that what you're talking that, about more? That, absolutely. That, that's right. You, you're enabling people. You're not disenabling them. You're actually enabling them. You know, you're giving them... You're giving them power, and you know, and you're supporting them to use that power, and uh, and you know, and from there things will change, and you need to be able to. So leaders need to be fairly nimble, you know, and just because you know I think this way right now, more than likely would mean that I need to actually change tomorrow because things change, you know, and situations change. So I think you just need to be, and I know there's the words like pivots and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, which is is true to a certain extent, but uh, but I, I think you need to also change yourself as well. You know, uh, your values will never change, your beliefs will never change, but your operating principles may. You know, just be ready for that. Be, I think I think we just need to be a little bit more courageous, I guess. You know, to be able to handle that. Nice. Your values and your beliefs don't change, but your operating. Yeah, I think the principles how you operate may change. You know, and and. Uh, and, and that's stuff that, you know, that, again, control only what needs to be controlled. I think that's, that's fantastic. Be so right, because our values and our beliefs are probably in cement, if I can put it that way, concrete. May, some of them may change or evolve over time, but then those operating principles around it, that, should, that can actually change and move. And we should be able to be nimble, as you're saying. Nimble leadership, that's a, that's a great title just there. I think nimble leadership is really important for all of us. The thing I think a lot of people do or leaders get caught out and I love your views on this, is that they are just doing things day in and day out or they get stuck in the weeds and they don't lift their heads up to look around out what's going around them. And then they're not being nimble. They're not adjusting quick enough. And sometimes, as I said in my, in my introduction, if they're not changing quick enough, they run the risk of becoming irrelevant, being left behind. Well, what's your thoughts on that? hundred percent. Listen, I, th- I, think, I think that's absolutely right, Dennis. And I just think you need to be in a situation where you can't afford, and this is where you, you, you know, you need to be aware of your surroundings. You can't afford to fall into the weeds or into quicksand. You know, you need to know what's going on. And in order for that to happen, you need to have really good people around you as well. Because they are going to be your guides as well. They're going to say, Hey, there's quicksand there, Chandra. Don't step into that, you know, or, and I wouldn't go there if I were you, you know. How about you think about this? You know, so my role is to help people think as well and support them in their thinking and their, processing i need good people to be able to help me do that as well you know so uh so you need to surround yourself with i think this is where the leadership is changing as well you know i think you need to i think i'm i'm surrounded by people who are much smarter than i am and and also much better than i am 
you know so which which is which is uh, which is fantastic because it allows allows me to do what i need to do and and i draw from from them so have good people around you i think that's important yep and i think that's a smart move for a leader to have the right people around them, really good people who are talented, I think that's very smart. You know how we're living in a world today that is very fast-paced, ever-changing world? What's your thoughts here, Chandra, about what makes a leader successful in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world? All right. No, th- thank you for that question as well, Dennis. Um, listen, I want, to, I want to sort of draw you to, a, to a, one of my favorite books about leadership, and it's called Chiefing Your Tribe. And it was written by an anthropologist. Uh, his name is Michael Henderson. It's about how to become a leader worth following. And this book was given to me by a, a very good friend of mine and a and a leader in his in his own right, a, a chap named Simon O'Shaughnessy, who I believe uh, you also know. And it's it's sort of like it's a it's a, it's a very easy book to read, but it's also very very insightful and and there's a lot of you know good meaty goodness in it. And I think I think a successful leader today needs to be honest. You've got, they've got to be confident. They've got to obviously be capable. They need to be courageous as well. They have to be very clear in their communication. Also, needs to be very fair and also be reliable. You know, people need to be able to rely on good leaders and walk the walk and and talk the talk. Uh, And I think, and also be inspired about what you do and about the people around you. You've got to be, you've got to be inspired. You don't have to be inspiring, but you've got to be inspired. I think that really, in my opinion, is kind of what a leader needs to be successful in this fast-changing world. You know, you need to be able to roll with it, you know, but if you have those basic tenets and they're strong, then, you know, it puts you in a, in, in, in a good position to be able to handle all the madness that goes around uh, around you and, and you're able to handle things appropriately. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a TV program on Netflix. I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's called SWAT. And it's about a SWAT team in Los Angeles, the police department. And as they're in the in the truck and they're on their way, they talk about being staying fluid. Correct. Be fluid, right? And as you said, they have their they got the fundamentals, they've got the basics, they've got everything else which is which is very strong and they can fall back on that, but they need to stay fluid depending on the situation being followed on. And and you're just giving a great example of actually that whereby leaders need to be like that today. We need to be moving and being fluid, team. And our leaders, our leaders need to do that all the time. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, listen, I, I love that show. I've, I've, I've watched uh, every episode. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, and I agree with you. That being fluid part is that you're going to get stuff thrown at you that you thought you knew all about stuff 18 months ago when we got presented with this pandemic. Uh, boy, oh boy, was that. And, and, and we continue to be as well, as, as, as we know. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. So now you and I have been talking about through the lenses of a leader. If we were to change the lenses now and start talking about the lenses of employees, hmm. how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Yeah, yeah thank you again for that, for that question. I, mean, I think that the, the, the proud and powerful Maori tribes in New Zealand have a, a fantastic word for leader, and this is rangatira, which means weaver of people. And, and the construct of rangatira is about more about centership than about leadership, centered in their people and centered in the culture. So that's why we, you know, the, 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 the people and the culture are, are a critical thing. And, and the role of the weaver is to inspire and to align people. So I think from an employee's perspective, that is what I think employees would have, or what their expectation would, would, 
would be about leader is is being able to be you know we need to be able to weave you know certain this not not leading the charge like you know the light brigade and that, there is a place for that kind of leadership of course you know but from from my perspective the the, the concept of rangatira really really you know makes a heck of a lot of sense to me and, and it's very I think it's a personal sort of thing as well and and it's quite a different concept to that traditional leader which which in the certain times that leaders also required but i think you know as expect expectations employees want their leaders i think to be more centered you know to be able to to weave a strong fabric you know to be able to 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 show strength and you know to be able to you know to tie them into that as well so that they feel the same sort of degree of 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 strength and support and and in a strange sort of way freedom as well and you're not actually constrained by standing behind you know and when you draw your sword and say wait 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 and then now charge that it's a constant and we talked about being fluid i think being a weaver is actually being you know having that degree of fluidity as well so sorry sorry if i'm sounding quite dramatic but that's kind of how i i you know try and answer that question it kind of what that's how it make, made sense to me i i think it's beautiful i think i love the way that different cultures around the world whether you're talking about Maori or you're talking about Greek or Sri Lankan, whatever, there's different cultures have some wonderful teachings for us around how we can learn from them. I think the, the big thing for all of us is what we do with it. Yeah. And I love that the weaving of, of a strong fabric and then tying them into it and bringing them into that whole fold. I think it's beautiful. I think it's center leadership is, is probably the, you're spot on what employees are looking for today. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, what happens there is if, if people feel that they are part of that fabric, you know, part of that weaving, then the good people, they believe in that more and more, and it becomes part of a legacy that they're trying to build as well. You know, and we talk, for me, leadership legacy is really, really important. But that legacy is not my legacy that someone else has shared. You know, it's it's a vision that becomes part of their legacy, and then it becomes inextricably linked. Yeah. You know, and I think that really, I think for me is, is, is a degree of success with people is, you know, that they, they do what they, they do because they want to do it because they see value in that themselves. And of course, relationships that they've got with their, you know, with their, their peers and, and what have you is also important, you know, so everyone shares in that. So I think that kind of that central, that centering weaving sort of leadership is, is, I think, I think it's pretty cool. And it says there's a lot of, there's a lot of credence to that, I feel. You mentioned it just before, and I thought, oh, what a great question I could probably ask you. And it's something I haven't even thought about until just now, which is around, you mentioned a leadership legacy. What would be your leadership legacy? Is that what you just shared with us about the, the weaving side of things? Or is, it, is what would be yours? Yeah, listen, I think I think my leadership legacy is actually, you know, leaving behind an organization and people within the organization that will continue to, you know, to build and grow in their own energy. And for me, having been part of it, or perhaps you know, initiating it is something which I'll take great pride in. You know, again, it's not about me. It's something that has been developed and it's become, you know, it grows with, with everyone. But, you know, somewhere down the line, you know, and I think, you know, with my kids and my kids' kids, you know, they say, hey, you know, your dad or your granddad or whatever, you know, was part of this, you know, and he, this guy actually, you know, maybe may have sort of lit the fire to, you know, for what what we've got today. That's kind of, for me, would be an amazing legacy to, to, to have. Excellent. Yeah. Now, we've been talking about a little bit about le- legacy in there, and I think it's also, I love what you just said there, too, and about with, with taking it with their own energy and, and doing something with their own energy, which is great. Now, if we get you to get your crystal ball out of here and start thinking about the future, 
Yeah. Where do you see leadership being in five years? Yeah, well, that's a that's a very good question. It's a difficult one to answer as well, Dennis. But I, I think in the last two years, if we go back a little bit, in the last two years, we've been embroiled in this pandemic, and we are likely to still be coping with the effects for the next few years to come. So I think it goes into that next five years sort of scenario. I, I think I think there needs to be more weavers developed out there. You know, and, and I think that, that leadership in the next few years does need to be inspired. And we need to have more people who are people who would be considered to be worth following. And I think leaders would need to, to work to get that right with their people. And then from there, new leaders will develop, you know, and then it's, a, you know, it's, so I think, I think it's about leadership is about development over the next five years. Because what I think it's thought me in, in the last 18 months to two years with the pandemic, you cannot do this on your own. You know, the best ideas you thought you had, well, you know, that goes down the chute. You know, you need to be able to recreate, redefine, redevelop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the next five years, we're going to see that in a different sense in a different sort of form. So we need to be ready for it. And just, just because you think you've done this now, just because you think you may have won the battle, you know, there'll be plenty more battles to fight. So we need to be ready for it. And we need to, leaders will need to equip themselves, you know, with, uh, you know, with the tools to be able to handle things. Five years are, five years are a really long horizon in the scheme of things at the moment. So, yeah, so, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And we certainly didn't know about the pandemic, uh, and it's now turned up. And it's you know trying to throw a few more curveballs at us uh, as as we move forward. So yeah, so I think yeah, just I think that's kind of what needs to happen over the next five years. We just need to be ready to to actually do things differently. Awesome, there you go, listeners. We need more weavers. We need more people to be inspired who are worth following, people who can develop themselves and others to start setting up the legacy going forward. Thank you, Chandra, for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go, Chandra? Listen, just uh, just sort of jump onto my LinkedIn page, so Chandra Salvadire, and um, I don't think there are too many Chandra Salvadires out there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll be very happy to connect uh, with, with folks who, uh, who feel value in connecting with me. Awesome. Hey, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. So once again, thank you so much. Pleasure's all mine, Dennis. Thank you so much. Awesome. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show or if you have a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 